are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, going to be previewing what could be one of the more pivotal games of the season. Kentucky takes on Texas A&M Tomorrow, it's going to be a massive game. Going to be breaking that down, giving you a prediction. And then also, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the NCAA tournament today. I want to ask you guys a question about where do you think Kentucky ends up in the tournament if you think they get there? Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, First of all, thank you guys so much for getting us up to 3,100 subs. If you would please subscribe to the show, we're going to be having a lot more college basketball content coming your way over the coming months. So let's go ahead and get into it. One of the most important games, I think, of this season thus far, Texas A&M versus Kentucky. Ken Palm notes, whenever you pull up the page for the Texas A&M Aggies, that they have the nation's eighth longest active win streak at seven They have won every single game they have played since they defeated Northwestern State on December 27th. They are currently 5-0 in SEC play. They have played Florida twice, and they are currently heading to Rupp Arena to play the Wildcats. We're going to break down the offense and the defense today, but the first thing I want to note about this matchup, it's very similar to a couple of teams that I despised and pointed out on this show last year Stylistically, I do not like the way Texas A&M plays basketball. It is a difficult style to play against. They get to the foul line a lot. I hate this type of team that slows down the pace and makes it a foul fest. It's not fun to watch. It's not good basketball. It is it, it is compensation and overcompensation for the fact that the team lacks enough talent to simply get it done on the defensive end. Texas A&M currently gets to the foul line, I think just about as much as any team in the country, and you look at their point distribution. So if you've been listening to this show for quite some time, you know that I absolutely love to get down into the nitty-gritty and the numbers. But for Texas A&M today, I think the biggest number we have to look at is their point distribution. So it's percentage of total points divvied up between three-pointers, two-pointers, and the foul line. 24.7%, so a fourth of Texas A&M's points per game come from the free throw line. That is second nationally. Out of 363 teams, they are the second best in terms of the percentage of points they get from the foul line. They're 320th in three-pointers, and they are 215th in two-pointers. They are in the bottom third of the country in percentage of points scored not on the foul line, which is really, really hard to grasp, but you look at the makeup of their team from a size perspective, and I think you start to understand why. They're one of the shortest teams in the SEC. They're 257th in national average height. Their best player is six feet tall. They don't have a player in their rotation taller than six foot nine, which I think is huge, and we're going to get to that later. I can already assume you guys know what I'm talking about. But I hate this type of team. 
Frank Martin had this type of team at South Carolina. Last year, Missouri had a similar type of team. These guys are just not fun to play against. Buzz Williams has this team right now undefeated in the SEC, and they are doing it by their own will. They're doing it by their style of play. And it's interesting because the defensive end for them has kind of slowed down. We'll get to that later on in the show. But they've just found a way to grind out games and come out on top. If I'm not mistaken, in their most recent contest against Florida, they won 54-52. The game at halftime, if I'm not mistaken, was 23-13. 23-13, 23-16, something like that. I mean, these are just some ugly games that they have been playing recently. And they've been doing it, playing really physical defense, putting teams on the foul line. They are second in the SEC in fouls committed per game. They are right behind Alabama. They average a little over 20 per contest. Alabama averages 21.3, by the way, in case you're wondering. Kentucky, on the other end, is one of the best teams in the nation, or excuse me, in the SEC in terms of personal fouls per game at 16.7. Kentucky does not foul a lot. Texas A&M does. On top of that, they also get to the foul line. I really don't think it matters what Kentucky tries to do in this game in terms of pacing. I think Texas A&M is going to slow things down. They're going to inflict their will on certain possessions. And to be completely honest with you, I think Kentucky's probably pretty okay with that. Their adjusted tempo is not that fast either. So on the offensive end for the, for the Aggies, they don't do a whole lot well outside of getting to the foul line. They've got two guys that are scoring in double figures right now, and that's Wade Taylor and Tyrese Radford. Wade Taylor's been there for quite some time. I think it's pretty clear that he's probably their best guard that they have. Not their best post presence, but their best guard. Shooting 82% from the foul line, 37% from three. He's a solid player for them. If Kentucky can shut him down and prevent him from getting to the foul line, I think that the Wildcats are not going to cruise to a victory. I don't even say that, that they're going to win. I'm just saying, if they get this guy shut down, I'm not quite sure who else A&M turns to in their rotation that can be a big enough scoring threat to make this a victory for the, for the Aggies. Tyrese Radford is not the best shooter. He's a good foul shooter, but he's not the best, best shooter. Julius Marble, their best pro, post presence, who transferred in for Michigan State, He's averaging 9.9 points per game. He's shooting 54.5% from the foul line. If you can take Wade Taylor and Tyrese Radford out of this game, somewhat, if you can just take one of them out of the game, I don't know if A&M's going to be able to do anything that really shocks you. They're not good from three. They're in the bottom third nationally from three. They're decent from two, and I think a lot of that has to do with the way that Buzz Williams schemes things up on the, on the offensive side of the floor. But they're not great from two. They're not elite from two. And they're decent at the foul line. They get there and they knock down a decent amount of their shots. I just don't see this being a fun game for Texas A&M, or excuse me, for Kentucky, because of the way that A&M likes to play. They're going to get to the foul line. They're going to shoot free throws. This game's going to be slow. I think it's going to be drawn out. It's not going to be entertaining. And if we get some interesting officiating, it's probably going to be really annoying. Uh, Probably for both sides, to be completely honest with you. So that's what I think about the offensive side of the ball for the, for the Aggies. The offense, I don't think, is going to get it done against Kentucky unless they end up hitting some tough shots that they normally don't hit. Outside of that, I think that there's not a whole lot Kentucky can do defensively to prevent 
getting to the free throw line. There's just not a lot there that I see like, oh, well, here would be a reason. Texas A&M, five games into the SEC, has just inflicted their will. They're like, we're going to get to the foul line. Here's how we're going to do it, and they've done it. I don't know if Kentucky's going to be able to prevent that. But also, at the same time, I just don't think A&M's offense will do enough in this game to get them the victory. And then on the defensive side of the floor, I think there is one big mismatch, one huge mismatch for them. And I think it's going to play a huge factor in this game. Before I talk about that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. They are your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there over at BetOnline.net from the NFL playoffs, college basketball, NBA basketball, MLBs coming up here in just a couple of months. They've got it all there over at BetOnline. And if you love sports podcasts like this one, you can even find those over at BetOnline as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your, get your betting info. You can head to the website today, BetOnline.net. Or you can use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Daw hanging out here with you. Kentucky taking on the Texas A&M Aggies, who are currently undefeated in conference play. This is going to be a massive contest for the Wildcats. Very pivotal for their season. 12-6, and 3-3 three and three is what John Calipari's squad is currently. And I think that they have an edge in this one that is pretty clear and easy to spot. So like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, Texas A&M is one of the shortest teams in the SEC. And on top of that, they foul a lot. Kentucky, I think, can take advantage of that using primarily one player. And that player, as you might have guessed, is Oscar Shibway. So looking at Texas A&M's rotation, like I mentioned, they do not have a player taller than six foot nine. Their best guy that they have, excuse me, their best guy that they have is Julius Marble. I do not think Julius Marble is going to be able to contain Oscar Shibway on the offensive end of the floor. I don't think it's going to happen. Now, is Shibway going to drop 37 points like he did recently against, uh, against Georgia? No, I don't think that's going to happen. But what I do think is going to happen is he is going to get back to form. He's going to return to form. He's going to statistically put up an impressive performance. It's going to help Kentucky kind of get through things if the offensive product as a whole is not as efficient as we might have suspected, including, I, I think this is, the, this is something interesting to point out here, the outside shooting. Kentucky right now is one of the better teams in the conference in terms of three-point percentage, but they've not been shooting that well from three recently. They've kind of been hot and cold. Do we expect... The, the outside shooting to take a step forward in this game? I don't know. I think it's kind of on and off, kind of tough to predict. How does Antonio Reeves, Cason Wallace, and C.J. Frederick, how do the, they all perform? I don't know. But if even that being an unknown, I think you have a constant in Oscar Shibway on the offensive end of the floor. I think that is the biggest thing in this game. Oscar Shibway will get to the foul line, and he will control the paint on that end. Defensively, I'm not quite sure, not quite as confident. Because like I said earlier, Buzz Williams does like to draw up some cool things to get the Aggies to the rim. But I like what Shibway has brought to the table recently. I like what he's doing. 37 points just doesn't go just unnoticed. And I'm curious to see what he does for an encore. 
Ken Palm believes Kentucky's going to win this game by four. They gave him a 66% chance to win this one. 73-69 to 69 is the final score that Ken Palm predicts. I think that Kentucky wins this game by a little bit more than that. At the least, I think they score a little bit more than that. Kentucky's defense has not been phenomenal this season. But Texas A&M, their defense has also regressed. Last year, they were top 30 in defensive efficiency. Now they're outside the top 75. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that their front court presence has just taken a bit of a dip. And also, they're, they're really struggling, I think, relative to last year when it comes to steals of their own and then steals that they are giving away. That could be another factor in this game. I think Kentucky's going to score somewhere between 78 and 85 in this game. I do think that Kentucky's going to have a solid night running the floor if they need to, whenever they get the opportunities, whenever there's a breath of air in between foul shooting. And based on the way that they've been shooting free throws recently, Kentucky has, I would like to expect that if A&M does put them on the foul line quite a bit, Kentucky's going to be able to execute in that area. There's just There are too many things pointing towards a Kentucky victory for me to feel comfortable saying, yeah, I think Texas A&M can win this one. Because here's the thing, they can win this one. I just don't think it's going to happen. Momentum, I think, is huge for Kentucky right now. It's Rupp Arena. And then on top of that, sure, it may be a difficult contest. Sure, Kentucky found themselves down against Georgia. They struggled against South Carolina previously. I just think there, there are too many things going in Kentucky's direction to say this is going to be another home upset. I just don't see it happening. So if you want to let me know your score prediction in the YouTube comments below, I would appreciate that. And if you're listening on socials, at LockedOnUK on Twitter is where you can find me if you want to give your thoughts on this matchup as well. I've got one more question for you guys about where Kentucky finishes in the NCAA tournament. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. Guys, if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want to try all of the fat and calories, then you have got to try Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and they taste phenomenal. They come in unbelievably good flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. We here, if you've been listening to the show, you know that I am a huge proponent of cookies and cream and salted caramel. Would highly encourage you guys to go to, to built.com and check those flavors out. But if you don't want to wait around to get a box, you can check out your local store, your Sam's or your Walmart, and get your built bars there. You can head to your nearest Walmart today. You can walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate coconut puffs. If you're near Sam's, you can get a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter, and churro. And these bars are not only delicious, they're also really, really good for you. They have amazing macros, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. This is what you need to swap your protein bars out with. These are really, really good for you, and they taste phenomenal. Again, you can get it at Built.com or you can head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Would highly encourage you guys to check this out and you can thank me later. All right, wrapping up the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. So we just finished previewing what I think could be one of the biggest games for Kentucky this season. A game against Texas A&M, an undefeated team in conference play that they should beat 
I mean, ESPN's BPI thinks that Kentucky has a 75% chance of winning this game, 76%. Kentucky should win this game. It's going to be big for them moving forward because of what we talked about on yesterday's show. It's not about how many wins you have. Well, it's not primarily about that. That's a factor. It's important that you win games, right? But what's more important is who you beat. Like we said on yesterday's show, Kentucky is 12-6. and If they had found a way to come into this game 12-6, and but they had beaten Michigan State, Gonzaga, and UCLA, and they had happened to lose three other games elsewhere, if they had lost against LSU, if they had lost against Tennessee, if maybe they lost against Michigan, but they had beaten the Bulldogs, the Spartans, and the Bruins, this would be a different conversation that we would be having about them getting into the NCAA tournament or not. This one against Texas A&M, it's a, according to Kim Palm, it's a B-tier team. They're a quad two team, if I'm not mistaken. Texas A&M is good, but they're not elite. Their strength of schedule is not strong. And sure, they're undefeated in, in SEC play, but they've not really played anybody that's worth a rip. They beat LSU close. They beat Missouri. They beat South Carolina. They beat Florida. They've not played the Kentuckys, the Auburns, the Tennessees, the Alabamas of the world. They've not gotten there yet. But they're a solid team, and resume-wise, it would be beneficial if Kentucky picked up this win. They also just need wins, period, right now. But my point being, this is a pivotal game for where Kentucky finishes seeding-wise. We're going to look back on games like this if Kentucky doesn't get to the NCAA tournament and say that's a game we had to have and we came up short. We're going to look back on games like this whenever Kentucky does make the NCAA tournament, if Kentucky loses, and we say that game could be one of the major deciding factors in where Kentucky ends up being seeded at the end of the day because they had this many quad one wins as opposed to this many, and that was just enough to slide them from a six or a seven all the way down to a 10. And it'll end up giving them a bad matchup as opposed to what could have been. You get my point here? It's all about beating the good teams. So I want to ask you guys, where do you think Kentucky finishes seeding-wise? If they get to the NCAA tournament, what seed do you think they're going to be? I don't have a strong opinion on this right now, but it's something that I want to continue to have conversations about as we get past the halfway point of the season. I think Kentucky right now has a good shot to make the NCAA tournament. But I don't know where they're going to be seeded. A lot of it has to do with the fact that their schedule, their strength of schedule, excuse me, is so weak right now that you can predict these wins, but they actually have to go out and win them. So right now, it's kind of difficult to sit here and say, oh, well, then they're going to be this seed. Oh, well, then they're going to be this seed. They could finish 19 and 12, right? But you need to see... Those seven wins here at the end of the slate, they need to be against really good opponents. If you want to be seated higher, you got to get those wins. So again, I want to ask you guys, leave it in the YouTube comments, hit me on the socials. Where does Kentucky finish seeding-wise in the NCAA tournament if they make it? I want to hear your guys' thoughts. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter, like I just mentioned, at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Once more, any questions, comments, concerns, hit me on the socials. Leave it in the comments. I will see you all tomorrow, excuse me, on Monday 
for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.